Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. Episode number three, where we are going to be talking about the 2018-2019 Celtics season. This is the season of a bit of disappointment, a lot of ups and downs, and the uncertainty surrounding Kyrie Irving's future with the team. A lot happened this year and during this season. But first, Steve, let's get into heading into this season. Okay, wow. Heading into this season, high expectations, right? I mean, an awesome roster. Coming off, it was a really exciting 2017-2018 season, you thought, this is only going to get better, you know? Jason Tatum's going to be in his second year. Jalen Brown's in his third year. Scary Terry is awesome. We got Kyrie Irving, Big Al. We're getting Hayward back. Right. Um, just a lot of the pieces were there. And even with Hayward not really returning immediately to form or, or, or struggling, or you know he was going to take him a while for him to get going. Um, I just remember really looking forward to this season, thinking like the yeah. the feeling that we were going to we could get a banner was real. You know, get the eighteenth banner. Yeah, and it it was justified really uh, looking back, Steve, because we had taken the Cavs to seven the year before. Yeah. Without Kyrie or Hayward. Yeah. And maybe what this season proves, of course, as you said, you know, it took Hayward a while to come back from such a gruesome and traumatic injury. 
Um, but really, more than just that, this team actually, I think, was a good example of when the sum of all your parts are not greater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. And it was easy to overlook the possibility of some kind of a sophomore slump or transitional period from Jason Tatum because he gave you so much his rookie year, right? right. I mean, it was so eye-opening. So then you're thinking, oh, I'm going to just pencil him in to be an amazing star. But actually, uh, as it turns out, people need some time to adjust uh, to the NBA. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and, especially when you're 20 and... <laughs> yeah, you need a, there was someone you need to find your game and find your way to being a, a super duper star. It doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. Unfortunately, not for everyone, and then generally never for kids uh, as young as Tatum. Yeah. But man, was it exciting after that yeah. playoff run, and he had stepped up so much in the absence of Irving and Hayward. And coming into the season, one thing was sure, and that was that you know we were going to see a lot of him and Kyrie Irving, right? Yeah, you know absolutely. those are going to be our guys shooting the rock, and they yeah. did that. Um, they were the top two minutes played this season. Uh, so, in a lot of ways, we did get to see uh, what could happen with all these players on the same roster. Um, but due to many factors, as we've said, this the season ultimately was a disappointment in that the team finished uh, well below those expectations and a lot actually worse than it had the year before and actually really several years before. Yeah, surprising. Surprising disappointment, for sure. Surprising disappointment. And I don't know, you know how much you were watching early season, Steve, but... I do remember how they started just very uh, lackadaisical. You just weren't seeing any evidence that this was going to be a really good team early. And I think they went 10 and 10 in their first 20 games. And so in that way, once the season had kicked off, there already were questions from the start. And yeah. one of those big questions I remember just – having personally, and that kind of plagued the team was that question of, wow, Tatum especially, but a lot of the other guys took huge steps forward without Kyrie in the lineup. And so yeah. what's going to happen with Kyrie back? And I think that was something that was a question really all season is were they as a team better with or without Kyrie on the floor? Obviously, so gifted and such a great offensive talent, but as a defense-first team, the statistics might not bear that, that they were actually better with him on the floor in this season. You know, we're more concerned about just focusing on the overarching, you know, positive themes, and one of those was that the Kyrie chapter in Boston was very tantalizing and... Uh, held a lot of promise, and there were a lot of you know things said, but ultimately on the court what we saw was uh, a lot of talent who for a brief moment played that big brother role in some ways to the two J's, but never materialized as an actual Boston strong player for the ages. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I, you know, we touched on this in the last podcast. We talked about, you know, his time coming and going, and maybe that was a good thing, you know, him moving on for the Jays and their development. Um, what could you speak to about this season, um, maybe that you think was a, a real positive of, of them playing with him? They really did get a lot of important lessons, um, both playing with Kyrie, as we were talking about, but a lot of others. And I think one of those simply was on just how to continue to stay focused and develop on the court when there's a lot going on off the court and in the media. I mean, this was not Mm -hmm. only were the expectations super high, you know, they were favored by many to win the East. Um, then you have the Kyrie stuff and then Anthony Davis requests a trade from the Pelicans. And of course the Celtics are mentioned as a name, uh, in that. And of course, why wouldn't they want to try to be in on that? Who knows? You know, we just, we don't know. Everyone's names being thrown out there. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Sure. They got to deal with, they got to deal with all of that. And of course, none of that's true. And we don't know what actually happened at all. I'm sure. They inquired as much as they could uh, because every team was inquiring about Anthony Davis's availability at that point. But there just was a lot of rumors and stuff in the media. And from that standpoint, it was a bumpy season. Yeah, a lot of distractions. Yeah, a lot of distractions. And um, But Steve, as, as we know from a lot of things and just life in general, those are learning periods often. Mm-hmm. And I think maturity-wise, we did see growth, uh, especially going into the following season, then thinking about, Ooh, yeah, wow, definitely, all of this came out of going through so much over the course of, you know, the season before, this season, the off-season, surrounding all these, just so much is going on, and they're very, very... Not only young careers, but young lives. I mean, uh, yeah. these, you know, the two Js are so young still at this point. Sometimes it does just come down to uh, players and scheme and fit yeah. and personality, just everything and how it all meshes. And it didn't mesh, really. Um, it Absolutely. never seemed smooth, right? Like, they had some stretches where they were. I mean, there's clearly so much talent, right? So uh, that didn't. They had stretches and they had big games. They had big wins that were very impressive. And it looked like, whoa, they could beat literally anyone at any time. And they probably could have, you know, especially in a game or maybe even a couple of games. But as we saw in the playoffs, when they had to face an actually good team and turned out better team in the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, it's easy. It's really easy to say, oh, why didn't that work? But you're also thinking about it from a perspective that you know what Jalen Brown and Tatum developed into when they went into their third year. So you got to kind of check yourself and say, okay, where were they at then playing with Kyrie and a not 100% Hayward? And it's like all of those different entities – trying to fit together and then you could see you know Brad Stevens you know ultimately trying to fit a square peg into a round hole that season um, and not even recapturing the momentum and the energy from the previous season think about that team I mean that's you know now 
all five of those top players are all-stars. You know, Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris are uh, all-star role players, right? Right. Uh, Marcus Smart's a recurring defensive, you know, all-defensive NBA player, and Marcus Morris a successful player, always on playoff teams and deep runs. Like, <laughs> that's an amazing yeah. amount of talent. Um, and yet, if you think about the best teams – the best teams didn't usually have five all-stars starting. And in fact, when you have that, it often doesn't work. Um, you know, right. I don't know the exact stats on that. Once again, Steve, are we experts? No, we are not. But I do know that that's too many mouths to feed, right? I mean, how do you it's get It's too many mouths and- to feed. Uh, and it's a lot of personalities. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the guys can't mesh uh, off the court and actually as like personalities in life. But on the court, if you have that many guys that are that good and can score at the clip that we've now seen all of these guys score at or demand the attention they all can, um, that, you know, that's just crazy. It's, it's like when the Lakers tried to throw, um, old Carl Malone and Gary Payton oh, yeah. on that team. You can't just like put five guys together because they are or have been all-stars and, and think it'll work. That, you know, works on those super teams generally uh, with three, right? So many examples now of the big three, really, the, the Celtics yeah. um, and then Celtics again, and then it really took off with the Heat and so many other teams. Right. But, yeah, that's the paradigm is the, is the three or even two all-stars, right. not five. And, but the three really is what you hear all the time when the people are The like, three seems to be the sweet spot, right? Like the Bird, yeah. Parrish, McHale, you know, and then... Because no matter Pace what, even if, you know, you have two superstars, you need that third facilitator. Maybe he's not a super a star, but he you need to have somebody else too. right. Yeah, and so make something I, happen. Yeah, and you think about you know this team in 2018, 2019. Really, it's it's still the same idea as the year before, and so that idea is actually that your all stars are Horford, Hayward, and Kyrie. Yeah, and your supporting cast is the young two Jays and the two Marcuses, and of course Rozier. And that still sounds great. You know, like that that still sounds great. So a lot of different, you know, basketball related things didn't work out. You know, they were going small. Um, Kyrie's style maybe didn't always fit with the more like team first um, offense, uh, very defensive minded team. One thing, you know, that uh, we sort of saw was that they looked pretty good defensively, but then when they played really good teams, they weren't consistently good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I saw somewhere that was said like, really they were only good because they were good at shot making for the most part. And so when you're scoring, it's a lot better to play off defense because you're not in transition as much. You're not scrambling. You're able to get back, and it's a lot more half court defense. But when pressed by a good team, a team that. Uh, plays good defense and then therefore gets out and runs like the Bucks. They just got squashed and uh, were not yeah. a force to be reckoned with, turned out. 
Yeah, roller coaster season. You know, if I was to describe it, just roller coaster season, up and down. Um, there was a kind of a bright spot. They had uh, their draft pick from that year was a late first round pick. They took a flyer on Rob Williams, Time Lord. Time um, Lord, as he is affectionately known, because of his yeah. time management skills or lack thereof. Absolutely, and he he showed you something in his rookie year, just a flash of something, and very brief flash. But it was something. He started two games late in the season. And he had dropped in the draft, I think, because of injury concerns. Maybe his back, something like that, a concerning kind of big man injury. Um, but someone who had had a lot of blocks in college. Yeah. Um, and that was something the Celtics always kind of lacked uh, rim protector rebounding because Horford was such a great, you know, stretch five, an undersized five, but never that, you know, actual big um, that could protect the rim and rebound it. I mean, Horford was a good rebounder for his side, but size, but undersized at the five for sure. And yeah, Rob, Rob showed a couple, a uh, couple little flashes and moments of just this super athletic force, and really about the same size as Horford, but just a complete athletic freak and above-the-rim player, uh, which is just so exciting, especially when you haven't had that for a while. Yeah. Well, why did they call him Time Lord? Why did he get that nickname? (laughs) So the story goes, Steve, that uh, the nickname Time Lord was acquired based on him being late for a team (laughs) meeting, and I believe there was... We'll have to get the full story. Maybe uh, someone can chime in in the comments or online with the full story or we'll have to look it up but yeah he, he cool. basically I believe he like he missed a team meeting and then uh, missed a team bus or flight <laughs> like uh, slept through it you know that's and right so, uh, that's and they were like it's the time lord <laughs> there he is time <laughs> lord <laughs> I always I love the NBA nickname uh, thing like and just how they come and like well it sounds and, it also um, it sounds so cool and uh, yeah, and then you learn it's like oh, <laughs> yeah. you just like slept through a couple of meetings or something. Yeah. I know you think like because he stops time on the court, and he <laughs> and I mean he does have that athleticism that looks like the way he blocks shots, uh, which we'll see a tiny bit of in this season, uh, as we see you know his his brief action late in the season. But man, yeah, he does. <laughs> Just a taste, just a taste of, of what Robin Williams, Robin Williams, what <laughs> Rob, Rob Williams, Williams can do. <laughs> uh, Time Lord, yeah. So we do get a brief taste of him and development of the two Jays and someone who doesn't get to really take the next step that we should just mention is Terry Rozier. Gary Terry has uh, some great years uh, on the Celtics developing as a mid-first-round pick and becomes Scary Terry in the playoffs the year before, but Kyrie comes back and, uh, and he kind of uh, doesn't feel great about, you know, taking a back seat, um, but still plays really well. And uh, of course this is, you know, his last year with the Celtics as it is uh, a number of guys on this team. Yeah. He definitely played well off the bench, but I wonder if that he was just ready for more minutes and that sort of stifled his, his potential in that for that season. Yeah, and ultimately where he was at, um, the Celtics, you know, 
didn't look like they were going to be bringing him back with their priority on Kyrie and other things and uh, money tied up in the Hayward deal and other places. So I think this team was really like a 100% in we think we have the chips to win it team. Yeah. And you can, you know, you can always try to sort of find where we could have done better, but we don't want to point fingers. I think this was a, a very, very well-constructed roster, as we've said yeah. a few times. Like, how can you argue with this team on paper? Um, and whether or not Brad could have done better with the players, you know, given just all the stuff, a lot of stuff was out of his hands. Um, sure, like maybe. Um, who knows? Uh, could he have fit these players better together? Really hard to say. I certainly am not uh, a basketball expert, Steve. I know you aren't. So uh, I don't think we can even weigh in on that. But it was it was disappointing. And uh, it's good to also, you know, be honest about uh, Celtic Strong, which is uh, taking the, the bad with the good, the good with the bad, the up with the down. And this was a disappointing season that ended in a, a second-round playoff loss to the Bucks, where uh, Kyrie just really didn't seem to be engaged. And I remember just thinking, I'll be honest, Steve, I remember thinking, I hope he does not come back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so wild where, from where it started, yeah. Right, 2018, 19 to where it ended. Yeah. Um, and it was really just the complete opposite. And in in regards to Kyrie, um, and I think we're not experts, and so we don't we can't really speak to what sort of happened there. But all we can really go off of was the feeling that it was off. It was just a feeling it was off the whole time. What the we whole were time. seeing wasn't wasn't as exciting as the years before. And then um, I agree with you. I was right there with you at the end. I was just kind of like, oh well. I did not lose any sleep over Kyrie not being a part of our team after this season just because it could really tell in the playoffs you were right. Like His heart was not in it. His heart wasn't in it. The media circus wasn't worth it. And it just never translated on the court. We had some brilliant stretches of Kyrie over both those years. Uh, and it mostly was in individual play. And the best team ball and the best stretches of basketball in this season were often without Kyrie or when Kyrie was really just sharing, uh, you know, the ball and really being that team player that uh, we saw more of previously. And so this really is uh, a learning, growing pain season for the two Jays. And I think they likely took a lot of positive lessons out of this season and whether or not, you know, the, the club turmoil and, uh, and media stuff taught them important lessons. One thing we know for sure, they came back stronger the next year and it was clearly their team going forward. They certainly did. And what a cool opportunity for them to grow together. And so we think about this season and that it was, Jason Tatum's second year, Jalen Brown's third year. I think about Jalen Brown and coming off the bench. So here's Tatum. He's drafted a year after him. A lot of buzz around him. He gets the starting nod. Jalen's coming off the bench, and you really felt like it was not a big deal for 
Jalen Brown was there showing up to work every day. He loved being a Celtic and he was going to give it all 100%. And there was no, there's no ego there. And um, you can't force anybody to be friends or whatever, but you should this feeling that these guys are in this situation together and they're experiencing it together and they're close. And this season, I think, brought them a lot closer. What looked like a franchise on the brink of a title uh, and actually turned out to be the end of uh, a few near misses, a few good swings and near misses. Closing of a little mini chapter. Yeah, it was a very exciting mini chapter in Celtics history. Um, You know, we've said before briefly, like, this was such a quick um, rebuild from the Pierce, KG, Ray Allen big three to back to contention and uh, a near miss, uh, but a lot of excitement. All right, great. Well, this was actually felt really good to talk about this season and yeah, talk about our feelings about it. And yeah, Steve. Sometimes you know you got to talk about the disappointing seasons just as much as the exciting ones because uh, this is Celtic strong and we talk about all of it. Everything we talk about all Celtics stuff. The the rich history comes from the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, the victories and the defeats. The from, good and the bad. <laughs> uh, from the humble beginnings through, you know, the Bill Russell run to the 15-year drought of our yep. childhood. Yeah. We stay Celtic Strong for the good and the bad. So that is going to wrap up Celtic Strong Episode 3, the 2018 to 2019 season, the final year of Kyrie and uh, a disappointing topsy-turvy ride. But overall, another great developmental year for the two Jays. Thanks so much for listening to this installment of Celtic Strong. Thank you the number one chat forum for Boston Celtics fans on the internet at CelticStrong.com.